Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome to your Friday. If you'd like to be part of the program, all you have to do is dial 800-848-WABC. 848-9222. It is Friday, as I said, and there's so much news that we will not get to it all today. So I consider this to be part one of a two-part show. We're going to redo part one today. We will pick up with part two of this show tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, among the things that I'd like to talk about, Kanye, the interview with Tucker is simply brilliant. It was brilliant on so many levels. So if you saw that interview or you heard clips from it, we have some clips from it. We have the whole interview. We will have the whole interview. I may not, we're not going to have time to play the whole interview today. So we'll play most of the interview, if not all of it, tomorrow, but we will be playing some clips from it. That's one of the things we'll talk about. Number two, New York, as you know, Nueva York, our hometown, for many of us, our beautiful Nueva York, with its bogodas and all that stuff, yeah, we are in a state of emergency, according to our illustrious mayor, Eric Adams, who finally took time out from partying to speak to the people of this great metropolis. Not good. We'll talk about Eric Adams, and we'll play some of his speech, if not all of it. (laughs) Now, what we have coming up is not a laughing matter. I was astounded when I heard this clip, and this... This clip is not front-page news to anyone else. It may not be. But it is rare that you hear Democrats talk about something in this kind of detail. Cori Bush, who many of you know, Missouri Congresswoman, is also one of the loudest voices that wants to defund our police departments across the United States. Now, initially... Just so you know, I had asked Princess Di if this was something that she wanted to comment on. Of course, Princess Di will be here with us. And Princess Di said, absolutely not. She said, this is too horrific for her. She was very troubled hearing it. And she would rather just listen to my reaction rather than contribute anything. And that is a first. And the reason that Princess Di is horrified is, well, 
I'll tell you what. This is about a three-and-a-half-minute interview. We're going to listen to the entirety. She was on television. The name of the interview, E, isn't that important, so we'll bypass that and go right to Representative Cori Bush describing something that happened to her as a teenage girl. Please listen. One of the things that really struck me in the part of your book where you talk about um, the experience you had with abortion is how nuanced your view is, um, because this is a complicated topic. And you talk about how the fact that it's complicated showed up in your own life. Um, You became pregnant two years later when you were 19. And you chose to have an abortion. You went to an abortion clinic. At this time, you were enrolled in university. You had started Harris Stowe State University. And you got to the clinic and had second thoughts. Yes. Walk me through what happened. So I I was thinking back to the first abortion. The okay. first abortion. You've done this before. You know the room. You're 19 years old. You know what old. it looks like. You know what it feels like in, in this place. You know what to expect. You know um, that you may experience even some harm or some racism in this in this space. The racism. Like, I thought I was ready. Because you had experienced um, because racism I, previously. I had. So I thought I was ready. And I went in. And I went through all the steps because they were like, you. it's almost like an assembly line. You know, you go from room Stop to room. Stop right there. Now, never mind if you can. Do you have the ability to just roll that just back just a little bit, Kev? Because before that, as if you hadn't heard enough to make you shake your head, a 19-year-old girl, she says, you know. And so here I was. I mean, I had already had an abortion. No big deal. So here I am again getting my next abortion. And I know all the steps. It's kind of like an assembly line. Now, For years and generations, we in the conservative community or communities, because there's more than one, certainly, have said that places like Planned Parenthood are abortion mills, that they have made this like an assembly line for death. And out of the mouth of this Democrat, this staunch progressive, she is one of the squad. After we learn that she has had an abortion previously, aged 19. So let me address that for a minute. At 19 years old, and forgive me if this sounds harsh, I want it to, to be a thought that comes directly from my thinking on it, not intended to be provocative. But the deal is, at 19 years old, she has no problem going to bed with a guy without contraceptives and getting pregnant more than once. So, okay, first time, let me go off and grab an abortion. All right, so after that, one would think that, okay, there are many of those that say we shouldn't judge women at all. There are some who say, okay, don't judge them. This is a mistake. People make mistakes. That's how they define pregnancy, as either a disease or a mistake. And and if you think that I'm trying to be harsh, just remember what Obama said. 
when he was hypothetically discussing whether his daughters would become pregnant. He didn't want to burden them with that. So she goes in for the second abortion. I know the drill. It's like an assembly line. So I go through the first room, second room. Let's pick it up from there. And I went in and I went through all the steps because they were like, you. it's almost like an assembly line. You know, you go from room to room. And I got into the last room. I, I was helped up onto the table by the nurse. And I laid there. And I started to think, well, one, I didn't tell the father that that was about to happen. Um, I And I just I just felt like I needed more time. So I said, no, you know what? I'm not. Stop ready. it right there. I didn't tell the father. I found it OK at age 18 or 19 to go to bed with this guy after having been through this abortion before in the assembly line. But here I'm having second thoughts. I, you know, I. The guy that I was boinking, I didn't tell him that he made me pregnant. Maybe not such a good idea. Now, there are people that say, and I quote, we have no right in a society to tell a woman what to do with her body. If it's her body we're talking about, why is there a need to tell a father? Oh, because it isn't her body. This this baby is a product of a man and a woman. Because it takes two to tango. This isn't something that one does unilaterally and self-impregnate. At least not normally. Let's pick it up. And the nurse just you know, wouldn't listen to me. And I said, no, I'm not ready. And as I'm saying no... They continue to pull the instruments and, you know, get everything ready. And and it was just like, no, calm down. You know, no, you're going to be okay. okay. So you were telling them that was, you didn't want to move forward. Yes. And they were ignoring you. They were, oh, they absolutely ignored me, um, even to the point of, you know, like, calm down as if I was the problem. And so I didn't really know, like, I, I didn't understand at that point where uh, my, like where I had a voice, like who listens to me. And so I remember laying there looking to see um, if there was someone else in the room that would that would listen to me. And the they ended up putting, during this time, they put the instrument inside me and started the instrument. So it was, and I'm saying no, but it was too late because you couldn't stop once it started. Why do you think they didn't listen to you? The same as as other times where I haven't been listened to by a provider um, or medical staff. You know, I was Why? a young black woman. You know, I it, multiple times I felt like it was, oh well, we know better. You don't know what you need. You don't. You don't understand. We know mm-hmm. better. We know better than you should be the slogan. And they should patent it of the Democrat Party because that is what they tell all of us. They know better. We're supposed to get a vaccine. And if you say, no, I have previous medical conditions, you have a mayor that will tell you, no, you do that or you lose your livelihood. We have a president of the United States that will tell you, you cannot serve in the United States military because he knows better. 
The Democrat Party knows better. But aside from that, what have we been told by Democrats? No means no. What have we been told by liberals? No means no. What have we been told? There is no ambiguity about no. No means no. Except when it comes to putting, as she put it, an instrument in her and taking the life of her baby against her will. As a side note, before we go to a break, I'd just like to mention this story that comes to us from Chicago News, WTTW. Planned Parenthood plans mobile abortion clinics in Illinois. Planned Parenthood officials said they announced plans for a mobile abortion clinic, a 37-foot recreational vehicle that will stay in Illinois but travel close to the borders of adjoining states that have banned the procedure since Roe v. Wade was overturned. So they're going to have a mobile execution center. Hop in the car, and by the way, if you say no, I've changed my mind. As demonstrated, it may not count. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I found my field on Blueberry Hill. It's Vladimir Putin's the hell. It's Vladimir Putin's 70th birthday. We always play a song by an artist on their birthday. Uh, yeah, this is Vladimir yeah. Putin singing Blueberry Not Hill. Good. He brings in communist Russian. Communist? He's fascist, if anything. As this guy allegedly is about to nuke the world. The White House has walked that back. Who are we going to believe, Joe Biden or the White House? (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm done with this. You know what time it is. Time for our highness. Where is her music? Our royalness. Our most wonderful. You guys are so enraptured with communists that you forget commies. That you forget the real deal. That's, it's time for you. Radio Royalty with James I'm Golan. Go apologize. America's Princess of Policy, you Princess Di. Your Majesty, please forgive them. Please. <laughs> they did this. They, they had the audacity to play a commie nuclear tyrant before you. And then I'm looking around. I'm, I'm saying, okay, hit her music. And they're looking at me like, what? What? We're playing Vladimir Putin. What? <laughs> oh, dear. I, I appreciate the music. Off with so their damn hands. <laughs> <laughs> the dungeon, the tower of London, right? Wait. Send them to the tower. Do something. <laughs> oh, Princess Di, at least I got some laughter because, and let me tell you something, Princess. After that first segment, I'm still oh. as sick to my stomach as I was when I heard it. And this is the first time that you've kind of told me, no, you're on your own. You talk about that. I'm not going there. 
I did not mean to say I wouldn't talk about it, but I've got tears running down my cheeks, James, because that story just breaks me. You know, it's just something about that sacred moment in time where all of heaven and earth waited for her to maybe give this child a chance of life. And in her heart, that's where she would have ended up. And to have the decision be taken away from her, it's just heart-wrenching This to me. And that's why I found it difficult to talk about. But I can mention that this is exactly why the left despises the pregnancy resource centers and despises the people who stand outside these abortion mills and just say to these women, there's another way that you have options. And that is the thing that scares the left the most, is that someone will decide, as Rush used to always say, the left wants every single abortion that can take place to take place. And they're going to make sure it happens if they need vans that go around providing abortions or not. And so to see, you know, the the possible power that could have had in that moment where someone says, yes, you have other options. And that is what the left is trying to prevent. And in fact, Joe Biden is putting people in jail who will just merely protest in front of an abortion center and say to a woman, please don't do this. You can you can save your baby. We will help you. Thank you, Princess Darcy. I always knew that there was something that I would not see that you always you always do this. You always see something in a story that I missed. And that's why, to me, you are just such an invaluable, not just a friend, but a resource for me because you always see something in a story that I haven't seen. And so, well, so thank I, you for I that. I find your, your commentary so important. I, I really want to hear what you have to say about the Kanye West uh, interview as well because that is very important. First of all, let me just say this about Kanye West. He threw Jared Kushner under the bus. And later in the interview, and to me, I was shocked that he went there. Number, okay, we're talking Kanye for one moment. Okay, do you have, I want to remind everybody before we get started, Kevin, help me remind everybody what our former president, our former president, Barack Hussein Obama, had to say about Kanye West. The young lady seems like a perfectly nice person. She's getting her award. What's he doing? Why would he do that? He's a jackass. (laughs) No, no. All this stuff. I'm assuming all this stuff. Where's the pool? Come on, guys. Cut the president some slack. Okay. That is President Obama on Kanye West. He's a jackass. Now, I think the first cut that we have of Kanye, he's talking with about uh, uh, his wife in the mix, Kim Kardashian. And you don't have that one? Just play what you... Okay, let's play that first. I don't want you to hear this. Go ahead and play this. It was interesting. A friend of mine told me that... Uh, Chris and Kim had called him because he had influence inside of the black community uh, and had called him uh, to say, oh, to get him to influence people to take the vaccination. Mm -hmm. And 
I don't, I don't have an opinion on that. I just want to state that as a flat statement. But it was, it was wild that I didn't know how close my own wife was to the Clintons. I didn't know, you know, I, I, I didn't realize it at the time. That you were married to her. And well, I was married to her. How close was she to the Clintons? I mean, cell phone away, like, or, hey, tell Ye to say this away, or, hey, go out and use your platform to push uh, the vaccination away. I mean, not away, but, like, stick the away part, but, you Do know. Do you feel like at times you were manipulated by political forces through your wife? Attempt manipulation. But, yes, there was manipulation. Me not saying I like Trump yeah. was a, a form of a, a manipulation. For sure. Yeah. Why did you like him, by the way? You said you liked him early, like you saw him. In the... I mean, uh, I, I keep telling this joke. If people say Trump was the first black president, I'm going to be the first Latino president. Because all the values, the, the conservative values just line up. Come on, man. Trump's this shit. What do you mean? He has his own buildings. We talk about He's like, <laughs> like Ralph Lauren. He made Ivanka. You like Ivanka? Yeah. You tweet. You wrote a post on Instagram about her husband today. Yeah. You know, I had a That's dinner. enough of this right now. We're going to come back to it. I want to get to, there is a cut, and I, but I want to get the uh, Princess Di's um, reaction to this idea. Diane, I'm going to ask you to hold on through the break, too, so that we can continue okay. this discussion. I want to get your reaction okay. to this idea of the Clintons, their influencers, I had no idea my wife was so tight with the Clintons. <laughs> what? She's pretty sad. <laughs> She's pathetic. Do you think that it's do you think that it's sad because he didn't know or do you think it's sad because they were even the Clintons trying to use Kanye without his knowledge? clearly. And, you know, the forces engaged in trying to pressure people through Hollywood, through, you know, what I would consider the swamp. I mean, they they pulled out all the stops on that in, you know, trying to get people. I mean, you had the dancing nurses, you had the advertisements, you know, get your shot. It's They're still on to this day. So they, you- they used anyone who they thought could be influential. Do you know who? what else they're using right now? The Marvel superheroes. Oh my There's goodness. an ad with the Marvel superheroes, and the people in the crowd are all pointing to their bandages where they've been uh, vaccinated. It is really psychotic. I mean, the the obsession with shots now, it's every other advertisement. It's, well, if you have this problem, get a vaccine. <laughs> and, you know, with happy music and hymns and everything else. It's gotten to the point of, really almost psychosis. I want to talk about Hollywood influence as we go further on, not just Hollywood, but liberal influence, because he also made remarks about his wife putting, and this is a quote, not me, her ass out there. And he was really unhappy about this. And this is the first time I've ever heard this. And I'd like to get your reaction to that. We'll do that quote and others when we get back. Princess Di is with me. We're going we're gonna to go through some of these, Kanye. This wasn't what we were going to talk about, but I'm glad we are. I'm glad she's joining me for this. And thank you, Your Highness. Appreciate it. 
and I still hope you can Me forgive too. these people for playing that commie before you came on. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll, Absolution. <laughs> we'll be right back. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurvy, <laughs> on Boston Rivers Rush Hour, coming right back right after this. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. That's Kanye. I'm bringing us back here on 77 WABC. If you'd like to join us. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. I got so many calls last night. Hey, do you see Kanye on Tucker? you see Kanye on Tucker? I wasn't watching it at the time, so I had to watch it later. Yeah, listen, by the way, before we get right back, and we are coming right back with Princess Di, I want to remind you of something. You can join 77WABC and Ramsey Mazda as we honor law enforcement officers across the nation on Friday, October 28th. We're going to have a day full of special guests and commentary. 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazda, Back the Blue. Back the Blue. That's Friday, October 28th. All right, Princess Di, thank you for staying over. I want you to listen to this next cut. is kind of long, but this one blew me away. Kev, just get right to it. Because my mom was an actress, so she was a liberal. And my dad would see certain things and say, you know, we should do it this way, we should do it that way. And the people got around my mom and pulled her away, much like, you know, Kim is a Christian, but she has people who want her to go to Interview Magazine and put her ass out while she's a 40-something-year-old multi-billionaire with four black children. And this is what how fashion wants to... Uh, how they want to present her. So I know you give these um, you give these questions, and I give you like these three part answers. Is this a cool format for you? Yeah, I love it. it. Okay, cool. And I am following it. All right. So you said um, that your father said when he saw the shirt "White Lives Matter," it's great to see a black man stating the obvious. So, by which I think you meant that's obviously true. Yeah, that my favorite response because I kept on thinking like you know people they're looking for an explanation, and people say, well, as an artist. You don't have to give an explanation, but as a leader, you do. Yes, I think that's right. So the answer to why I wrote White Lives Matter on a shirt is because they do. It's the obvious thing. Yeah. Why, why do you think that's so, and, and I assume the implication is, of course, all lives matter because they're lives, because God created them. Yeah. Why do you think that that would be considered controversial? Because the same people that have stripped us of our identity and labeled us as a, as a color have told us what it means to be black and the vernacular that we're supposed to have. Diana, he said a mouthful. Wow. I want to start and ask you whether, what do you think of this? My, when I first heard it, there were several things that jumped out at me. Number one. The idea, well, my mom's a liberal. So she had all these people around her influencing her the same way he just got through talking about how <clears throat> his wife is surrounded by liberals trying to influence her, influence him. Okay. 
So, so of course she's influenced by liberals. Says, my wife, Kim, his ex-wife now, is Christian. Yet fashion tells her, go out and put your ass out in public. Show your ass. I have four black kids. And he talked later on about how this is what the imagery that his kids are seeing with their mother, with her ass all over the world. And he is not supportive of this. She's a four-time over-billionaire, a multi-billionaire. She doesn't have to do this. She's a 40-year-old multi-billionaire. But yet she's compelled because this is what fashion wants. Now, the first thing I thought of, Diana, is this is not just fashion. This is liberal media. This is media. This is liberal Hollywood. This is liberal fashion industry. This is liberal entertainment industry. These are the people who preach, Diana, to you and I and tell us that we need to be more civil. This is the people that label conservatives racist. These are the people that tell us we don't like certain people when, in fact, nothing could be further than the truth. These are the people who create the stereotypes that most of this country lives with. These are the people that tell you that black folks ain't nothing but a bunch of pimps and hoes and gangsters and robbers and villains, and very rarely do you get one uh, like the celebrated Cosby was back then that's actually quote-unquote normal, but the rest of them, why, this is what they are. These are the people that are still carrying on the same kind of stereotypes that Woodrow Wilson showed in the White House when he brought in Birth of a Nation. It is this mega entertainment complex industry that defines identity in America. And right now, this same industry is telling us that boys are not boys, that girls are not girls. Your thoughts on that? Wow. Well, you covered a lot of ground there. And I think in addition to, as you were saying, truly, you know, it's liberalism and it's fashion, but it's also the celebrity world, the celebrity culture, the shock, the, you know, wanting to get clicks, wanting to get uh, uh, eyeballs on a vision of whatever it is they're presenting. And he escaped that somehow. Now, he has always kind of marched to his own drummer, and so to speak. He is a unique, creative person. And you notice, interestingly enough, how he pauses before speaking often. And as, you know, someone who is a believer at myself, I actually like to think that he's sending up a quick prayer because he knows his words are weighed and have impact. And so to me, he's a, he carefully speaks. He sometimes can go off in his own direction, but I appreciate his thoughtfulness and the fact that he isn't swept away by the same celebrity culture that he sees, you know, negatively sweeping away his parts of his family. All right. Let me ask you about the second part of that <clears throat> interview where he actually transitions from from that thought. And he starts moving into into the other areas of of his conversation. It was to me, it's it's interesting when he starts talking about the politics that he believes in, and and the rest of it. What he, I don't know. This is the guy that Obama calls a jackass. I right. you know I I had no idea really what kind. Of, I don't even know still whether I understand totally what he's about. But the idea that he is profoundly and says with such simplicity, well, why do you say white lives matter? Because it's obvious they do. 
It's obvious. Life matters. Everyone's life matters. That now, the Anti-Defamation League has declared that that shirt is hate speech, is violence. And to say that white people's lives matter is now, according to the Anti-Defamation League, an act of violence. What does that say about where we are as a society? Well, I, I want to mention one thing from that interview, which I think is the headline, uh, which is when he said, I have an audience of one. And that yes. is that. Yes. And that is the most important thing he said. And that is why the left is so angry at him for many ways, because he has a strength and a power coming from something they can't control, which is the God of the universe. And so when he said that, that explains why he has so many people saying, well, he's just nuts, he's crazy, he needs medication, and he has had his struggles. But I really love the fact that he put the first thing first, and he said, and I think we should all remember that sentence, that we have an audience of one as well. Wow, we have the cut that I think you're talking about. I think that's the next cut we were planning on playing. Let's just go ahead and play it, Kev. Let's, let's hear it. The lanyard's still on from it, and there's a photograph on it. What is that? It's a photograph of a baby's ultrasound. Why is that? And that you designed that? Yes. Why? What does that mean? Uh, it just represents life. I'm pro-life. Boy, so you wear it on a badge. What, what kind of response do you get? And, and good, amen. I agree. I don't care about people's responses. I care about the fact that there's more black babies being aborted than born in New York City at this point that 50% of black death in America is abortion. So I really don't care about people's responses. I perform for an audience of one, and that's God. I have never heard an entertainer in America say what he just said. Yep. It's, it's profound. And it's something we should, you know, write down and remind each other and say it to each other all the time because it's the truth for all of us. Wow. What do you think his, and do you think that this is going to resonate beyond, you know, of course, conservatives and pro-life people are happy with this, but do you think that this will resonate beyond the quote-unquote echo chamber? I don't know. I think that, frankly, it, it is very hard for people who are inured to the left, who are just swimming in that soup, to, to reach out of themselves and absorb new information. I think that they hear what we hear as profound and wonderful and interesting and original, and they hear the same words, but it makes them furious and they want to stamp them out. So whether or not it will reach across the aisle and convince people, it may some. And if, it's, if it convinces one person, that saves one life. To me, that is worth it. There was a CNN story today, I don't have it in front of me, that <clears throat> the black support for Joe Biden is pummeling. Yeah. CNN polling shows dropping black support for Democrats, not just Joe Biden, for Democrats. The numbers, they say, are admittedly still high. 74% of black voters still throw their support behind Democrats. However... When viewed historically, there is trouble looming for the party. Pre-election polling 2018 showed that that support was 85%, just 
two years ago, it was hovering at 84%. That means there has been at least a 10% plummet in black support for the Democrat president in just two years. If those numbers... Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. This goes to what, you know, we're going to talk about tomorrow, and it's this coalition that Obama put together deliberately in 2011, getting rid of the working class vote for the Democrat Party and putting together this coalition of various minorities, constituency groups, and and those are peeling off, specifically the black vote and the Hispanic vote. And without those two, the Democrat Party can never win another election. So, And they're not really as worried as they should be, which I'm glad about that, because it means that we're going to have people thinking for themselves and peeling away from this evil party, which wants them to die, basically. Princess Di, thank you for spending so much time with us. We look forward to speaking with you a part two of this show tomorrow. I want to spend the remaining minutes taking phone calls and talking about Eric Adams in the state of emergency. I just want to get one final laugh from you before I leave. Uh, Eric Adams went on, of course, this is unsustainable. We are doing the best we can. We're great people. We're welcoming in all these immigrants, but they're costing us a lot of money. They're even demanding their kids go to school. Yeah, we're paying for it, but we can't keep doing this. This is unsustainable. And it's all because those evil Republicans are playing politics. They are mean. They are vicious. They're playing politics. And this is not fair. What does Governor Abbott do this afternoon? Yeah, we're going to keep sending you more illegal immigrants. Thanks, Eric. (laughs) It's so fun because apparently New York and other uh, states like that and cities wanted to be welcoming only in theory, not to actual people. (laughs) Right. Princess Di, thanks for joining us. James Golden Lake Ace. We'll be coming back, everybody, right after this. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. I found my field on Blueberry Hill. Wait a minute. What is, again? This is different. Vladimir Putin? This is a different version. This is the Joy Behar. Yeah, this is Joy version. Behar. Yeah. This is yeah. Joy. Her yeah. 80th birthday. Boom. Joy Behar is 80 today? Oh, yes. Indeed she is. I wonder what she celebrated in blackface. She wore, don't look at me like that. She wore black. Thank you. John Castellanitidis is getting ready to roll in here. It's 2024. F-150, turbocharged. That show comes up next. John Katz and Matitis, Katz at night. Okay, that's enough of the commie music. Let's head to the telephone. It's Joy Behar. <laughs> like, like I said, enough of the commie music. Okay, let us go. Rhonda South Bend, I was just thinking about you. Ladies and gentlemen, Rhonda is a beautiful friend of mine. She's a wonderful human being, and she sent me the most delightful picture today. I have to paraphrase. I don't have it in front of me, but it said there's craziness all outside the world, but we here in the Midwest get to look at this. And she sent me the most beautiful pictures, images of a tractor in the fields and then just looking out on the horizon in what we call God's country. It brightened my day, Rhonda. How are you? Thank you. 
Well, it's a wonderful time of year here in flyover country, James. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed those pictures. I I found that interview with that young woman just heart-wrenching, and I thought again how the left claims to be pro-choice, but they're anything but for the freedom to choose. You know, I know people struggle with why does God allow evil? I think it's because God respects our ability to choose. He endowed the right to choose when he made us, and God wants to be chosen. And it occurred to me one day, if God would take away our ability to choose evil, we would have no real ability to choose good. And he respects that freedom to choose, and he wants to be chosen. So when I see uh, a person, an entity, an organization that wants to control and strip people's freedom away, I'm very concerned, and I can just sort of tell which direction they're coming from. Rhonda, as always, profundity. Uh, Rhonda does a blog, and I love the blog because, of course, it talks about coffee, and I'm a coffee, you know, coffee kind of guy. Tell people where they can find you, Rhonda. Um, One more time. RhondaShrock.com, the small caffeinated American mom. That's what I am. There you go. Rhonda, thank you. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Let's go to Manhattan and talk with Max. Max, how are you this afternoon? James, thank you for taking my call. Um, One thing that uh, I think we might not be covering with uh, Kanye is that when he opens his mouth and he says something like that, he could lose his whole career. We we would like to think that, uh, oh, yeah, finally he's speaking the truth. But if we did it, just imagine if we said something like this, the average guy, would we lose our job? Would someone uh, take, having receiving welfare all of a sudden be threatened to lose their welfare? I don't think so. So I think he's really putting his neck out there if he's for real. Um, he is. I don't see why we would question whether he's for real or not because he actually look over the past few hours. I mean, there was a story last night that Adidas was reconsidering their plans with him. He he talked a little bit about what it means to his career. And that's why we're going to play more of that interview tomorrow. And for those of you, we're also going to play Eric Adams because this state of emergency, you deserve to hear what this man, this alleged mayor, this is first he whined. He whined and he moaned yesterday about how this is all racist and these Republican governors just want to undermine black mayors. And as it turns out, there's a story in either American Wire News or BizPack Review today. There's a story that uh, the most immigrants that have come to this city come from a Texas city run by a Democrat. And that, of course, you don't see everywhere else because that's, that's, that's just not the news standard. Also, there's a story, um, Fox News, uncompanied minors flown from border to small New York town. And this administration is still sending immigrants in themselves into other parts of New York. But we don't hear much about that. Max, great call as always. We appreciate so much hearing from you. Let us go to Billy. And Billy, I don't know where it is you're calling from. I'm calling from uh, the Merritt. Okay. Billy, what is on your mind this afternoon? So you mentioned something with your last guest about the echo chamber. Right. And so uh, I was curious about the victims of the echo chamber. So, Tell us what you mean by that. 
So throughout my life, I think it's safe to say that I'm a registered Democrat. Mm-hmm. But recent recent times, I'm starting to see the hypocrisy of it. And with Eric Adams, the first thing he says, he was so quick to jump to these sanctuary cities as if it was a billboard sign, an advertisement, something to adhere to, to separate themselves from the Republican Party. And as soon as they got them, they started saying, nope, we don't want them here. We can't handle here. Yep. And it's starting to blow my mind. Blow my mind. How can you have the balls to say sanctuary city? And as soon as these buses start showing up, you declare a state of emergency. Now, let me just mention something to you. 17,000 illegal immigrants showed up here. Do you know how many illegal immigrants are due to enter the country this year? The predictions are four. What I'm thinking about is this, the compounding effect of this. My wife wanted to get a job at the DOE down in the Bronx, help out children that needed things. These people coming in, yes, they need things. In two years. However, people come in. You separate that by half. Have kids. The DOE is handle the incoming children. Oh, his line went. Billy, we, we're losing you on the line. The line is in and out. I'm so sorry. We'll have to let you go at this moment. But I hope to hear from you because I want to hear the end of that story. Uh, let us go quickly, Steve. We have less than a minute. I want to get you in here, Steve. Go right ahead to your point, please. Hey, Mr. Golden. Thank you very much. Uh, big fan. Love how you treat everybody with respect. I appreciate that. Um, my question, my point is, uh, was Kanye being um, ironic in saying white lives matter? Is that an, is that a you know indicative to say only white lives matter? No. Um, and he explained it. He said he talked to his dad. His dad, by the way, former Black Panther. His dad, he declared, as a well-worked guy, and he said, no, this is an obvious statement. And he went on to say in a Tucker interview that, uh, you know, because Tucker pressed him on that. So you're saying it's obvious, all lives matter. And he says, yes, and that's when he said, I'm pro-life. And that's when he went into the pro-life part. He's about life. And this is stunning right now in the face of every liberal progressive who vehemently stands on the corner and proclaims how much they love abortions and wants to take life away. He's standing challenging the culture of death from progressives. May God bless each and every one of you and your families. We'll be back in the morning with part two of this show. Part two, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, 7 a.m. Please be here. And thank you for joining us today. We'll see you later. Catch it night up next. Bye. Under her under arm, she said, I could tell you rock, I could tell by your charm. Fars girls, you This is the Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.